0: So they think I go to a studio, but I'm in my closet recording, hunched over on the floor. So that's the behind the scenes, honest reality is I, um, (laughs) you're taking a picture of me. (laughs) Not to be shared. You
1: just mentioned what you look like, and I was like, I must take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> With my messy bun.
0: Thank you. I just exercised. Like, like, Avery's not going to care. No one's going to see this. <laughs> Welcome to the EXO Conversations podcast. My name is Rishma Walji. Most people know me as a naturopathic doctor and PhD. Right now, I think of myself more as a life strategist maybe an emotion hacker, definitely a joy seeker, and always a travel enthusiast. Today, as we wrap up season one, I have a very special behind the scenes episode where I am being interviewed by the amazing and talented editor behind this podcast, Avery moore
1: Hi, my name is Avery Moore I am a podcast producer and editor, and I um, stitch together all of the beautiful audio that Rishma <laughs> sent to me for the EXO Conversations podcast.
0: I've been getting so many questions about how we put this podcast together, so I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: That is true, and I feel like interesting to have, or fun to have my voice on it because I appeared slightly in episode one and episode ten. You did. <laughs> right, I just bookended my my fifteen seconds of fame in the Excellent Conversations <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> and you're so
1: good. You're so good. Oh, thank you. Wow, that's why I put myself in it just so I can get that, the accolades. So I guess I'm taking the lead on this one because we get to put you in the spotlight.
0: Yeah. I guess so. Tell me what to say.
1: <laughs> okay, so give me a sense of like, I mean, obviously, I've been here since it started. But tell me about the thought process of of deciding that a podcast was the next step in the EXO universe. Uh,
0: I think there's actually a few reasons I wanted to start the podcast. I mean, just generally being out there, I've tried other things. I've tried YouTube and social media and Uh, although they were great. I didn't always feel comfortable on those. I think the audio format is really much more my style. I I had an inkling about that. I didn't know until I started it. Um, I I still like in-person and better in front of an audience, one-on-one, like that kind of thing. I like the in-person better. But I think second to that, the audio of podcasting is really enjoyable to me. I'm really having fun with it. Um, But it's been on my mind for a while. I think uh, even when I was working in practice and I started doing YouTube videos, I was thinking, oh, you know, it would be fun to do a podcast and kind of just talk about all the things that I see or that I'm thinking about. Um, But I think the real impetus to starting this particular podcast was that I had taken a break from the practice for personal reasons. And I missed working. I missed my job. And when I was ready to go back to work, I thought... What are the things that I love about my job? This is one thing that's sort of, I guess, a benefit of being self-employed. Like you can just decide how you work and what way you do it and how you're going to do it. And so I, I really thought about what are the things that I love about my job? And one of them is learning. Like that's the great thing about being in healthcare. You're just always learning. There's always something new. Every patient is different. Even if they have the same diagnosis, they have different circumstances. They have, you know, different obstacles in their life. It's oh, it always feels like problem solving, and so there's always a learning aspect that I find really stimulating. Um, I loved the connection with people and just connecting one on one. And the part that I think was really keeping me going when I was in practice was this idea of, I guess following someone along on their journey. i I, I think this word transformation is overused a little bit, but it is really that transformation where you see someone who starts from maybe not knowing what to do, and then they feel empowered because of something they've learned, something I was able to help them with, and they get to this other side of feeling really good. And that whole journey part was something that just... I really loved. I loved being there for people when they needed me and I loved being able to see them feel empowered. I I always used to tell people, my goal is not to have you come in to see me every week. My goal is to teach you some stuff that you need to know so that you might call me and say, hey, just want to tell you I'm feeling good, (laughs) you know, but not have to come and see me as a patient. And so if I look at podcasting, it kind of ticks off a lot of those boxes. There's a lot of learning. It's very stimulating. I can put together topics that you know, I can really dive deep into. And then I think the way I wanted to put it together was to also have something to offer people where they could empower themselves to be able to take life to another level. There's, It's missing a little bit of the connection, which is why I have the XO events and things like that so that I can have that connection. But it reaches more people than I can reach in a, in a one-on-one setting. So there was a few things I think that podcasting offered uh, that was appealing to me.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the decision not to make the podcast about fertility and hormones. Like, and I know you talk about learning, but like, really and truly, like this is definitely your space. It's definitely your field. It's like definitely where you feel comfortable. This like research about the, you know, how does our brain work and how does our body work. But you know, I think from the outside, some people might be like, you know, you spent fifteen to twenty years in fertility practice. Why would the podcast not be about fertility?
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I feel like if you didn't know me before, or if you see me from afar, like maybe I am the hormone person to a lot of people, right? Because I did spend, you know, 15, 20 years of my practice. I, I practiced for 20 years. The first few years, I did a lot of other things, pain management, that kind of thing. But a large chunk of my practice was in hormones. And so I think people think of me as a hormone person. Uh, but if I look back on it, I don't know if hormones were my thing. I was really Passionate about hormones. I was really passionate about helping women. I feel like in practice, the part that I really enjoyed was giving a voice to people, you know, like advocating, helping people learn something that they didn't know. I felt really strongly that like, how can someone in her 40s come and ask me something about her period that she never learned when she was in her 20s? I feel like how could that be possible that we're not having these conversations when when people are in their teens or 20s, right? So the hormones, I think, were definitely something that were personally relevant to me for many years. I was going through it. I was having kids, all that stuff. And I felt like it was an avenue that I felt really passionately about because it touched on all of these things. But I don't know if hormones were the thing that drew me so much as the advocacy, the patient care, the empowerment, and while I was doing hormones, I was doing a lot of other things, right? Like people would talk to me about their relationships and about behavior change and habit formation and stress management and emotional regulation. And so I I feel like the healthcare aspect touches on so many different things. And so personally, the hormones were relevant to me. And I felt like that was a good avenue to connect with people. And, and people found me because of that. I think that was a a draw, you know, when you're suffering with your painful periods, or when you're having problems with your hormones, or you want to get pregnant, like this is a, I guess, an impetus for people to find healthcare where they wouldn't otherwise. Whereas I feel like if you're trying to do personal growth and, you know, preventative medicine, which is a huge part of naturopathic medicine, but as a patient, there's less draw, it's maybe not as urgent. So we don't look for it. I, hopefully, I think society's changing now more to that preventative side. So I think, The idea not to focus on hormones was partly because I feel like I've done so much of it and partly because I like to learn new things and keep myself stimulated all the time and hormones I felt like I've done a lot of and this is another area that feels very new and very personally relevant to me right now because now I'm not in that phase where I'm having kids but I am in that phase where I want to learn how to take care of myself physically and emotionally You know, I knew enough to get by, but also I feel like I just always want more out of that. I want to learn how to meditate. It's been on my mind. You know, I want to learn how to manage my emotions so that I can help my kids manage their emotions. So there are some things that are more personally relevant that I'm actually working through in this present moment. And I think that's why I wanted to focus on these topics.
1: Well, you know what? I think it makes the podcast really. Genuine and really interesting. That, like, as you're listening to the podcast, it's very obvious that you're learning this too. And the stuff that you're excited about that you've just learned, you like share with extra vigor. And you're not saying like, "Hey, I'm an expert in this." Like, often you're saying <laughs> in your scripting, "Like, I'm not good at this. <laughs> like, I don't know. How, I don't know how to do an affirmation. Like, it never works. It's never working for me." um And so, I think that that connection that that you can really get with a podcast listener, I think, is heightened by that idea that you like to learn and that you're doing. It over and over again. Okay, so why? And <clears throat> I mean, it's my favorite way to put things together—this like narrative style of podcast where you tell stories. But why did you decide that that was the way to do it? Because I think, I mean, to be honest, the easier way to do a podcast is to either do a you know a stream of consciousness monologue or to do an interview show. So why take the leap into kind of that narrative style of storytelling?
0: Yeah, I think the storytelling. Uh- it really is interesting. I, I mean, I like listening to narrative style podcasts. I find them very interesting. I find them engaging. Um, so that that's a really big factor. It's my favorite kind of podcast. I I definitely listen to interviews too, uh, and they're usually beneficial. You know, there's there's different styles I think of doing it, and who knows, maybe one day I'll do interviews. You know, for another maybe a second podcast. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But the storytelling and narrative style for me was definitely creative. I really wanted to be creative. I have all these thoughts, right, in my mind that are always going, right? Like I'm always thinking and learning and trying to put stuff together. And I'm on a walk and I'm like, oh, maybe this is why I didn't make that habit. You know, like I have all these weird analytical thoughts that are health related, and they're always in my mind. And I feel like for me, that creative aspect in the way that somebody might paint or do sculpture or something like that, for me, the creativity is like putting thoughts together in a coherent way. And so that storytelling aspect for me is my way of being creative and sharing that. And I think there's something compelling about listening to a story because I think for healthcare specifically, any kind of healthcare topics we can hear about it and we can read about it and we know we have to do, you know, morning routine and bedtime meditation or whatever it is, but we don't actually do it. And so I feel like the storytelling is a way to grasp something in a different way, at least for me. So I liked the interesting part of that. I liked the... um the being able to share the story part of it. I feel like people could understand it better. And for me, it was more creative that I could actually put my thoughts together in a different way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no. And I, I, I do think that listeners, I think there's definitely benefits of an interview podcast, but I also think there is a specific listener who really wants to be told a story, like stories create human connection and you can tell a story in an interview. Like you can have a story arc and you can have conflict and context and all the things that you need. Um, But I think that you you're such a natural storyteller that this was definitely the medium for you. Tell me where that comes from, because honestly, I have never met anyone who didn't go to journalism school or like, you know, who's a author or a creative writer to begin with, who can do this. Like you just write a script and you send it to me and it's like beautiful and perfect, and you've thought of every like little intricate detail. Like, where did this come from?
0: Where did this come from? I'm going to save this part of the recording and play it for myself every day. <laughs> this is your new affirmation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Um I don't I don't always think I'm good at it. Like thank you for saying that. I I feel I don't know where it comes from. I I think it's because I I do presentations. Like that that's honest truth. Like I don't think it's that you know, it just comes out of nowhere. I actually find writing really hard. I find it, you know, it takes a lot of effort and time. But I think the story part for me is definitely because of my presentation experience. I used to give lectures. I would talk to patients. I would do workshops, you know, things like that. And at least in a presentation Uh, atmosphere you can see the audience right like you know what people are thinking you know when they look lost and then you know when they their face scrunches up and they're like what did she say I have no idea what she's talking about and then you also know when they when it really resonates and when they get it right and they hear you and same with patients right like you can get that in-person connection and so I think stories are the way that I explain things to people when, especially when it comes to healthcare, healthcare topics are so complex and so intricate that sometimes it is hard to understand and you can't do anything about it if you don't understand it. And so I think it resonates with people when you tell stories. I like being told stories. I understand things when they're told in examples. So I think the storytelling for me comes from this presentation feeling, um, I think I, I think I told you once I did this presentation, the, the most recent one that I'm thinking of is when I was doing a talk for endometriosis awareness. So I, I guess I should say for people who don't know what endometriosis is, it's when you have endometrial tissue that's supposed to be inside your uterus, but it's not inside your uterus. So it might be, let's say, in your abdominal cavity, maybe it's attached to like your intestines. So that person would get bowel symptoms, like that kind of thing. And so if you think about endometrial tissue that's not in your uterus, it still responds to hormone fluctuations every month. And so for people who have endometriosis, they they go through often a lot of pain during their cycles during their periods because this tissue has nowhere to bleed and it just causes scar tissue and all this stuff. Not everyone gets that kind of pain, but it's pretty much a major symptom for a lot of people. So I'm doing this talk for endometriosis awareness and I'm trying to explain what it is and why it's different for people who have endometriosis. It's not just a painful period, it's different. Something different is happening in their body Mainly for the advocacy, because I think a lot of people who have endometriosis aren't necessarily heard and understood in the same way or they don't get the diagnosis right away, etc. So there's, you know, I had a purpose for my talk. Anyway, so I'm explaining it and I say, you know, for a regular person who has a cycle, it's like your spring cleaning, right? You're cleaning, you're sweeping the floors, you're maybe moving some boxes. It's a day of hard work. Right, you're going to get sore. Your back might hurt. You might need a nap. But for a person who has endometriosis, you're doing that spring cleaning, and then you have Freddy Krueger who comes in and like slashes everything, and there's blood everywhere, and then you have to deal with that every single month. Right. So this is how this is how I told the story, and everyone in the audience who has endometriosis was like, yes. I should probably update my reference, though. Does anyone still know who Freddy Krueger is?
1: (laughs) You know what? Even if they don't, I feel like they'll get the picture with the blood everywhere part. You know, I think this is something that a lot of podcasts miss is, one, the context, like setting the context for, here's what you need to understand before I explain this to you. Like, I think a lot of people wrongly assume everyone just knows what they're talking about. And the second is the other, the opposite of that, which is like assuming that like your audience is dumb and that you need to like, you know, like they're not going to, they're, you're, this is just might be too complex for you. And what you're able to do is like. Explain it really simply. You're making no judgment of your audience. You're making like, you're coming at them being like, I know you're going to understand this. Let's talk about it in a way that makes it really clear. And then let's like, just keep moving. Like we got, we've got like lots to learn here. Like you just have this natural way of moving story forward that I don't think a lot of people have. And this like respect for your audience um you're so good at setting up this like imagery like having people like understand it and sharing stories from your own life and having your community share stories has been really wonderful too just like, like oh my gosh that the dash episode with Rishma Govani like i just I just feel so grateful she shared all of that with you and, and just like what the dash means I think so much about that too right so I think it's been really like this season has been a really like a labor of love on your part and on all the people who shared their stories which has been such a beautiful part of it for me just like editing through and I get to hear more than ends up in the in the story so I feel super connected to all these people I don't know who shared these stories in your podcast and I think that's that's such a special part of it too
0: yeah for Sure. That's also something that I love too, being able to connect with these people and have really deep conversations. I, I think that's the part also people don't see that we have, you know, hours and hours of conversation that don't end up in the episode. But sometimes it's just talking through a story, sometimes it's figuring out the thoughts behind this particular topic. Um, You know, I don't go in with any agenda. I'm like, let's just talk. Let's talk about this topic and see where it goes, what interests you. And then we have a real conversation. I kind of want it to feel like we're sitting in a coffee shop chatting about life and about the meaning of life, you know, and that's what we do. And then I pick out parts of the parts of the interview that make sense for that topic. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, I mean, all of this, a lot of this you've done before, like the storytelling and the connecting with people and the research on and health and psychology and all that kind of stuff. Was there something about this whole process that surprised you, like something you were not prepared for?
0: I think I wasn't prepared for the the vulnerability that comes with this podcast. Uh, that's the honest truth. I, I mean, I think it's easy to be uh, in a professional setting you know, I, I, when I'm with patients, I can be a little vulnerable in the office, but most of the time it's about them. It's not about me. You know, I have this like professional air. Of course, I have to respect that what they're going through, all of that stuff. Even when I was on social media, YouTube, like I was the expert trying to explain things. I was trying to help people. And in this podcast, obviously I'm still explaining and still helping people hopefully, but it's stuff that I'm going through personally right now. It's stuff that I don't feel like I have all the answers to. It's stuff that is happening in my real life. And so it feels extremely vulnerable to share real stories that are happening in my life, about myself and about my family and about things that I'm struggling with. And hopefully, I do it in a way that also is, you know from it from a place of I've learned this thing you know, I have this experience. This is what worked for me. Maybe or maybe not. It'll work for you. You know, that kind of thing. But but it feels very vulnerable. That part I was really not expecting. I think I knew it. But then when you do it and then you release it and you don't know what happened and if anyone listened to it and if anyone thought like, what was that she was talking about? You know, it just feels very vulnerable. I would say that's the that's the part that surprised me the most.
1: Yeah, well, you know what, I think you did really well with that. And you were always so game for like, <laughs> <the> weird <laughs> ideas. Like, can you send me home videos of your kids at the age that you're talking <laughs> about them so I can make a scene and sound? And just those like little pieces that you're willing to put out there like, oh my gosh, the thing I'll never forget is like your kids reaction in the Connected Parent episode to getting journal. Um, like I was actually crying, like I'm editing. I think I texted you. And I was like, and now I'm crying in a Starbucks yes. <laughs> like editing and crying about your kids being so thrilled about this. Cause it's so sweet. But, uh, yeah, I just want to commend you for like that vulnerability is so hard, especially if you're not used to this medium. Um, And it's also hard because you're talking so vulnerably into a microphone and you're like, are there people there? I don't know. Right. Um, And so to be vulnerable and just like send it out into the ether is such a hard, like a muscle that you have to that you have to exercise and and you just kind of like naturally came in and just like put it all out there. So good oh, for you. thank
0: you. It's funny because I mean, I always ask my kids for permission to share that kind of stuff and I try not to pressure them or anything like that. But even the people I interview, I feel like they share a lot of very vulnerable things about themselves. And a lot of them have mentioned like, you know, you're also putting yourself out there, maybe not in those words, but they know that I'm not trying to portray them in a negative light. I'm trying to just show real life issues and I'm sharing my real life issues and hopefully sharing their real life issues in what I hope to be a respectful way. So I think it helps people open up too. And I I've heard from people who have listened to the podcast that, oh, you know, I went through that too. I felt that too. And so I think it creates a real I don't know, connection for people that it's, this is real. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I have this all figured out and you need to figure it out too, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. When you think about the 10 episodes we made before this, is there a through line for you? Like what's the thing that connects them all together? If there had to be a theme for the podcast, what, what is it?
0: I think the theme is about Loving life. Like that, that's really what it is. I mean, not that I don't love my life. I love my life. I just want more. I just want more love for life, you know? And so I think that's what it's about because I mean, whether you're thinking about preventative medicine, whether you're thinking about health and wellness, or whether you're just thinking about your connections and relationships to people and how you want to live your life, like as I move forward in life and as I, you know, reach certain age milestones. <laughs> um, I realize that there's certain things that make me happy, certain things that give me joy. And I just want more of that. And I, I want to be less concerned with judgment and less concerned with, you know, shoulds and things like that. And so I think the, the through line is, how am I trying to love life despite all of the stress and all of the responsibilities and you know everything else that comes with life because it always gets in the way and how do we kind of navigate that to just find more peace and joy and happiness
1: what's your favorite episode I mean that's really hard to ask like 10 I feel like they're 10 little babies
0: but which one's the cutest baby oh my gosh which one's the cutest one I like different ones for different reasons like I really liked the dash because I felt like it came together in a really nice way I loved her story. But also, I think that was the first episode. The first two, I had a really hard time putting together and I felt like it was you know, new for me. So they took a lot more effort, although I'm glad with the way they turned out. But that one was the first one that really came together in a script that I really knew what I wanted to share. I felt like it really highlighted her story really well. Um, I really liked the Good Enough episode too, because I felt like I learned a lot from that episode that one, I went back and forth with the interviewees multiple times, cause I was trying to figure out the answer. Like, how can we just be good enough? What if, what if I don't want to be good enough? What if I want to achieve something? Right. And so we went back and forth with the interviews, not because I was trying to get them to say something, but because we were actually trying to figure out the answer. <laughs> what is the way to be good enough? I really liked that. Um, yeah, just so many so many different things for each episode, right? Like I feel like this optimism one that I just the the last one that we did, that one was really hard for me, I think because life has been really tough recently. It was really hard and it happened on a at a time in my life when I was feeling really down, like right at the w- end of winter and I'm messaging you saying like this one's really tough for me. I'm reading all about depression. Um but I think what came out of it was really special and I'm hoping that this one You know, my kids hopefully will listen to it. Like that's one of my big goals. Many years ago, I told my husband, I want to write a memoir for my kids, not about my life, but about the lessons I've learned in life so that at some point they might read it and, and feel like, oh, I can learn all the stuff that my mom knew and, or my mom knows and that I, you know, I'm too young to get now, but when they're older, maybe they could read it. I've always wanted to do that. And so, you know, the journal is part of that. But I think this podcast is more my style. The writing is a lot harder for me. So I'm hoping that, especially with this optimism one, that maybe they might learn some skills that they can take into their adulthood.
1: absolutely. I think that's such a a beautiful, (laughs) that's such a beautiful intention for it too. Like even for me, I, I keep saying to myself like, okay, record, you know, my husband and I talking about what COVID was like and like record all these things so that, you know, my kid can listen later. But what have you heard from people? I know it's hard because- it's like you're in a conversation with someone who's not actually sitting there at the same time as you but like what have you heard from people in your community or in reviews like what have generally been the reaction to the podcast so far
0: so far it's been great i mean i i don't think someone would text me and say they that they didn't enjoy it uh, but hopefully people are enjoying it i've ha- i've had a lot of great feedback people are really enjoying it um, some of the things that people say that I love to hear, I mean, one, that they've listened to all the episodes and they're enjoying it. That's just amazing. And it makes me feel good. I'm glad that people are listening. Um, some people say, you know, I listened to it and now I feel like I have to listen to it again. That part is interesting to me and makes me feel good because I'm trying to create something that is really deep and very... For me, I want it to be really profound, you know, like I want there to be something that you realize in every episode, they're like, Oh, I didn't think about it that way. Or, Oh, that's so true. This is going to make me think about this again. You know, um, I really try hard to have something of value in each episode. I don't want to just post an episode for the sake of posting because it's time, you know? Um, so when people say that, that really made them think I had one person who was like, I never thought about burnout that way, you know? That really made me feel great because I thought, oh, well, that's great because I hadn't thought about burnout that way. And when I did, I thought, this is great. I need to share it. So it's nice to hear that from other people, that they're enjoying it and that it's making them think and hopefully that it's helping them in some way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I'm really excited to Listen to it like one to ten all the way through because I mean just the the way that I edit, I'm kind of listening to it in chunks. i never really listening to it all the way through. Like in my head, I'm stitching it together all the way through. But um, I'm really looking forward to actually like sitting down and listening to it now that it now that I've been revealed from the green curtain. I will forge ahead into the EXO conversations as a listener and not as, a, as an editor. Okay, so I think that something that happens a lot and I do a lot of training for podcasting and I say this out loud and people are like what is how many hours it takes to create narrative content it's astronomical if you really think about it like you know an interview podcast interview podcasts totally have lots of value they are something that's approachable for a lot of podcasters to do if they don't have a lot of time which is like you know your voice someone's voice we do some minimal editing this is like very edit heavy very story heavy very script heavy um, like you've got, you know, hours of interviews that you pull maybe, you know, four minutes from. Um, So give me a sense, like if you pull back that green curtain and Rishma's back there writing a script, like how much time does this take you? Uh,
0: way more time than I expected, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It took forever. Uh, and I, I mean the reality is I was working on this podcast for months, months before I actually released the first few episodes. I was like, I need to have a few already done so I can release them slowly, you know, Um, months. Partly it was because I didn't know at the beginning how to do it. And partly it was because it just actually (laughs) takes a long time. Um, So let me see, how long does it take? Well, I think about the topic. I talk to people about the topic. I explore the topic. I read like 52 journal articles about the topic. I read three books about the topic. And then I question the topic because I have to think about, at least for me, I, r- I really want to be able to come at this in a new way or each episode. I want to I want to release it in a new way, right? Like I want to think about it, at least something that is new for me. Um, I wanted to think about it in a different way. So it takes a lot of time to put my ideas together. Funnily enough, that's the part that I love. It's the mo- my most favorite part is when I can just take notes, read, take notes again, read, put connections to ideas and, you know, think about one topic from neuroscience and then another topic from psychology another topic from, you know, hormones or whatever. And I put it all together. That's the part that I love, uh, but it takes forever and then I have to do all the interviews, most of them I use, some of them I don't, for various reasons. Sometimes I have to go back and interview somebody again because we didn't figure out the answer. Um, oh my gosh, how many hours? Like, I, I don't know, two, two weeks, like if I was working full-time and I, I packed it all together, like it's a long time. It's a long time.
1: Well, I mean, definitely when we talk about like in the kind of radio world, it takes 30 hours of work to make one hour of narrative audio. And that's like, that's a lot. And that's not even thinking about like the thinking about it beforehand, the reading of books, like that's actual, just like scripting, interviewing, editing, all that stuff. Um, and so that's a lot to do And I I, I even want to say to you, like the fact that we pulled this off with you and me is Bananas, because if you ever listen to a podcast like this and you listened for the end for the credits, they thank like the work of 15 people to make a 45 minute narrative episode. Mm-hmm. And so it's, se- I know it seems like so long, but it actually like a pat on your back because like usually the work that you're doing is done by five different people if this was on National Public Radio or CBC or something like that. Oh,
0: um, thanks.
1: Um, So let's talk about the podcast. I think something that I hear a lot about podcasts is if people don't know about podcasting, they just assume that if you're putting content out there, that you're making money off it somehow. And so what content creators know is that like part of the journey is this like content, I call it the content suck, like just make new content out into the ether, make new content out into the ether. And so give me a sense of like, you know, how this fits into your business world or not.
0: Yeah, this is a really good topic, I think, for people, especially who are entrepreneurs and feel like they need to put out a lot of content. I mean, of course, there's the society way we consume content, right? Like, I feel like we consume content so rapidly and myself included, obviously, I read a lot. I listen to a lot. I consume content with a rapid speed. But there's this pressure, I think, for people who are in a business where they have to produce content so quickly Almost like, especially in social media, right? It's like the next thing, what do I post? What do I post? Or, you know, put a podcast out because it's Monday, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think there's this pressure to produce a lot of content, which for me, I understand it and I understand why it's needed. I understand why it's necessary. I understand why if you have, you know, an audience that's listening, that they want this content. But I think there's a danger when you do it that way, that it can be really superficial content. And so there's a balance between like how to offer people enough that it will help them, but also most content is produced for a purpose, right? Like you're trying to bring somebody into your business. A lot of times that's the reason they put stuff out there. And, and maybe it's good that they put it out there superficially because then it kind of attracts people to come and buy their thing. So I understand that from a business perspective. Um, for me, this podcast, I really didn't want it to be, I'm just posting for the sake of posting, I really wanted it to be a quality podcast. And I remember a couple at the end, the episodes at the end, where we were stuck on a on a deadline, and my creativity just like shuts down when I'm trying. I mean, I, I'm good with deadlines, but when it's creative stuff, my creativity just shuts down when I'm up against a deadline. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to finish it in time. And I actually told myself, I just I just won't put it out. I'll put it out next week. Like I'm going to give myself that extra time because I really wanted the quality to be there. So how does it fit into my business? I mean, I I definitely have a business out of it now. I, st- I think I started more for creativity, and I started more for the parts that I was missing about clinic. I missed connecting with people. I missed helping people. Um, so the business wasn't at the beginning of it. I didn't really have anything to sell. And now I do workshops, and I have journals, and I have you know events for the community. So I mean, for sure, I have things that I want to sell, but I'm really, really particular about not... Being pushy about it. I, I don't want to hard sell. It's not my style. I'm really particular, even with my guests. I don't bring people on who are trying to sell to my audience. I, I'm trying to bring real people on, sometimes experts, but real people who have real thoughts about these things. So I think I'm really particular about that. Um, and, and how it relates to my business is I'm hoping that I can just help people and if they feel inclined, they feel that it helped them and they want to buy, you know, my series of journals or my workshops or come to my events. That's amazing. But I feel like that's not my purpose. I, I think we all have multiple currencies that we function by. There's this financial currency, which is what runs a business and makes obviously the world go around. Like we all need money, but there's also this emotional currency that for me has always been a really, really big factor. Even when I was in practice, I mean, I was, busy in practice. But I think I I was busy because I really focused on patient outcomes. I really focused on connections. And there was a time early in my career where I, where I was thinking about like, how do I make money? How do I get busy? How do I, you know, fill my calendar? Of course, you have to think about that. You have to pay your rent and whatever. But I learned quickly that if I focus on the quality, if I focus on the people, if I focus on the outcomes, then the business part kind of, I don't want to say takes care of itself. You still have to work on it. But it gets easier because now I believe in the things that I'm offering, right? And so it gets easier to market on that side of it. So with this podcast, I'm really intentional about trying not to hard sell. I mention it at the end that I have things people can buy. And if it helps them, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. The other type of currency that I think is important is this emotional currency. And for me, that emotional currency is when people say that it helped them. Like, I need that. And I know that about my personality. It's a little embarrassing to say, but I I know I need it. Like, even when I would help a patient afterwards, I'd call them and I'd be like, how are you feeling? You know, I need to know that it worked because in healthcare, people come to you when they have a problem. They don't come to you when they're feeling good. And so I knew that for my, I guess, drive to keep doing what I do for, especially when I was working with really emotional, heavy cases, like- the thing that made me happy was seeing someone's baby afterwards you know if i help them have a baby i'm like bring your baby for cuddles like you know i just want to i just want to see a picture like something it has to keep me going and so it's the same with this podcast when someone reaches out and they tell me that they liked it or they write a review or they send me a message or they ask me a question about the topic that keeps me going it's my emotional currency and and i really thrive on that i really need it i'm sure everybody does but for me it's something that it's embarrassing, but I ask for it. I'm like, did you like it? People are like, oh, you have a podcast. I'm like, if you listen, let me know. (laughs) Well, that brings me to a question I have about feedback
1: and maybe not feedback about like what people have said about the podcast. But as you're thinking about season two, How can people interact with how that comes together or like give you feedback about what they, you know, what they like from season one that you could bring into season two or if they want to be a part of an episode? Like, how can people uh, who are listening be a part of what's happening?
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, You can just reach out to me. I want to say on my website, that's probably the the easiest way. LivingXO.com. There's a contact page um, you know, you can always connect with me. I check my emails. So that's probably the easiest way I am on social media. I'm just hesitant to say, reach out on social media because of my love hate relationship with social media. I have a feeling that I might not be on it for much longer, Uh, but certainly I'm on there right now. And there's some really good benefits to social media because I do get a lot of messages and DMS and things like that. So I'm on Instagram living XO there's a hyphen on or an underscore on either side. Um, I'm not so much on Facebook, but I do have a profile on there. So people can certainly reach out to me in any which way, but I think the the website's probably the best way. And for sure, I welcome that interaction. Like I really try to respond to all the emails. I really try to connect with people. Sometimes I'll just have a conversation with someone about, a topic just for no reason because i i like the interaction it's really hard to put together a script and think about stuff when you're just staring at a computer all the time you know i really love that connection people can come to our events and talk about stuff we have lots of you know journal clubs and chats and things like that and we're talking about all the same topics um before we talk about season 2 if you think about season
1: 1 i mean like all this work you've done all of the research that you've amassed um all of the storytelling that you've created what are you kind of taking away from this season and the work you've done to to make to make this <laughs> well I do want to say writing a, a 10 episode narrative season of a podcast is 100% like writing a book like you've written 10 18 page scripts so <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to you you did all that work but I just I just <laughs> want to know like for you I know what as listeners we've taken away but like what have you taken away from it
0: Oh, thank you because it it was a lot of work. Um, what have I taken away from it? I mean, there's so many things on a personal level. I feel like I've taken away the fact that I can do it and I can try something new and I can put myself out there in a different way and i I really find it stimulating to try new things. um that's a really big thing um I feel of course, I see my mistakes, and of course i you know i'm I see things that I want to improve on, but I feel really proud of what I did. So that's really, I guess, validating for myself to feel like, okay, I wanted to try this new thing and I, I feel happy with how it turned out. Um, I think what I'm taking away too is that I can do more with it. Like, I think it started very creatively. It was a way for me to sort of, I think I mentioned like flex my creativity and get my thoughts out and... I mean, I was doing that stuff anyway. When I was taking a whatever a sabbatical, a mental health break, you know, family help helping my family break whatever you want to say from clinical practice, like I was doing all of this stuff anyways. I was figuring out how to meditate. I was figuring out how to um, build habits. Like I was doing this stuff anyway for myself. And then people would ask, and I would do workshops in the Exile Living community, and people would ask, like, what What do you mean you're journaling? Like, what? what does that mean? And how can you do it? And how does it work for you? And so I think part of what I'm taking away is that I can do this stuff for myself, and I can also do what I love, which is helping other people at the same time, whereas before it felt a little bit disjointed, where I was, like, helping people at work, and then I would come home and do stuff for myself, and there was a little bit of a disconnect, although there was a lot of overlap. This is like actually relevant and I'm doing it anyway. So I think that's really nice to be able to feel like, okay, I'm doing stuff for myself and hopefully it'll help other people. And hopefully my kids will listen to it one day and they'll learn from it. Um, so I, I feel like it's take, what I'm taking away is that I can do it and that I have more to more to give.
1: Oh, I just love that idea of your kids listening to it later. Okay, so let's talk about like projects beyond this. What are you working on now? What is like connected, not connected? Like where where are you headed in the next little bit? Uh,
0: I definitely have lots of ideas for season two. This is for sure. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to do it. Probably, you know, maybe aiming for like a fall launch for season two. I need some time to put it all together. The time, the time aspect has been... Um, I would say a challenge for me, this is maybe going a little off topic here, but you know, releasing every week is not easy. So I feel like I need some time to put it all together. So season two is definitely on my mind. I even have some stuff that's already started for that. Um, I have topic ideas like confidence and identity and making decisions, how to get what we want in life, not having regrets. Uh, You know, my love hate relationship with social media that I've done so much work on already, but never put it all together because I'm still struggling on the fence with that one. Um, Body image, finding purpose, boundaries, like all of these ideas. I have so many ideas for season two. So definitely want to put those together. And those are things that I'm thinking about anyway. And the other thing I'm working on, which I can't believe I'm going to say out loud (laughs) because it's been in my mind. Say it. I really want to write a book. Um, I've wanted to write a book for a long time. It terrifies me. I find it intimidating because I feel like writing is hard for me. Um, but I really want to do it. And now that I've written all these scripts, maybe it'll be easier and maybe it it means that I can do it. So I'm I'm gonna put it out there that I'm gonna write a book. Um, it's been on my mind for a long time, and I think the the strange thing is that I'm I've only been drawn to write about stuff that I am learning. Like that, that's the part that I think is, I mean, besides the writing of the book is actually a lot of work, obviously, and the writing part is hard, but the writing about something that you're learning, I think is a little bit more, I don't know, vulnerable or, you know, a little bit more of a chance rather than the thing that you're an expert on, you know, but I'm not interested in writing. I mean, I should probably people would want to know what I'm an expert on and they want to know the information that I've gathered and I don't want that to go to waste, Um But I'm interested in writing about things that I'm learning. And I think I've always been that way. Even when I was doing my PhD, my supervisor told me that many people don't finish their PhD, like most people, in fact, don't finish their PhD. And I asked her why. And I thought it was, you know, PhD takes a lot of work and you have to do a project and you have to do a thesis and you have to do all this field work. And it takes many years and, you know, costs money, whatever it is. And she was like, no, actually, most people stop during the writing phase. Most people do all of the work. They learn all the things. They take all the courses. They do their project. They do all the research. They gather it all up, and then they stop. And so for many years after doing my PhD, we, we had this conversation years ago. And for many years, I thought, oh, it must be because writing is hard and that was what and because i thought writing was hard so that's what i thought and now i'm thinking oh i wonder if also if you're a person who does your phd you probably like to learn like me i wonder if you're just done with the learning and now you have to spend another year writing a, something that you already know just so that you can present it to other people so I wonder if there's this piece of like I already know this. I need to move on to something else, which sounds so strange. But I think that's that's something for me that that makes
1: yeah. it feel right. Like, like I already writing know this. the dissertation <laughs> as you go.
0: Yes, <laughs> instead of the <laughs> other way around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know.
1: Like I said, I think that I, I really appreciate books where you can tell someone's like challenging themselves, trying to find new things because they're going to highlight the things that are really surprising or interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you get too much into one topic, the things that are surprising and interesting are just like old hat to you and you kind of forget about it. And so I think it would also be a really good tone match to the way that you've done the podcast also is this like, you know thirst for knowledge. I feel like your expertise is really just in like learning new things. Like <laughs> pushing yourself, learning new things, like finding more, searching for the answer. You're so good at that. And so to take an audience along on the ride for for that journey, I think I think is really smart.
0: Oh, thank you. It takes so long to make sure that I'm saying things that make sense because I feel like I'm still putting it all together in my mind. So um yeah, there's a lot of effort that goes into that, but but that's the stuff that I'm interested in. So when well, you get so it. into
1: it too, right? Like we, I think on every single episode of this, there's been some comment from you in a script, like, does this make sense? Like, am I making sense here? And I'm always like, <laughs> yes, I'm on board. That totally makes sense. Like, why would you even question that? And so I, I see what you mean. You're like extra analytical though, when you're learning new things and and trying to like articulate it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Well, I'm excited for season two. I want to hear all those episodes. <laughs> As you're going, I'm like, yes, body and yes, boundaries, yes, I hate social media. <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm on board. I mean, what's what's your hope for all of this? Like for the body of work that is the podcast? Like what are you really hoping that you're offering to people? Like, what are you hoping the listener's taking away from from all of it?
0: What am I hoping that the listeners is taking away? I definitely hope that people are finding ways to make things applicable to them, right? I feel like there's no one-size-fits-all, and that's the danger of not doing one-on-one. I mean, I, I still love the one-on-one. I can do that, but the podcast allows me to talk to more people, so to speak. And so I hope that each person takes away what helps them individually and feels like they it motivated them it inspired them it taught them like it, I hope they take away something from each episode feeling like they have more in their toolbox to approach their own life whatever way works for them.
1: That's awesome. Well thank you for looping me into this and it's been such a pleasure to edit this and that you just like have trusted my artistic audio. <laughs> scene building. Cause sometimes I would send you things and be like, I don't know if this is like what she was thinking. Um, but it's been really fun to like have that chance to be creative and to, to build some scenes and sound and, and to put it to the backdrop of, of um, all the, all the like wonderful work you've done and learning all this stuff has been really super fun for me. So, so thank you.
0: It's so fun to work with you because one, you're just fun and we, we get along. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> But also you have this amazing creative vision and you have an amazing ear too. Like for audio, it's just amazing. And I've learned so much from you going through this. So I really appreciate that I've been able to bounce things off of you because I otherwise I don't think I would have been able to put it all together in the same way. And I love our interactions. Like sometimes... I'll write a note in a script. Like, this is a really mic drop moment. Like we need a and you'll find, (laughs) you'll find some audio that's like, perfect.
1: (laughs) Oh, I know. I feel like we just speak the same language in the way that like, when you make a like onomatopoeia sound, I'm like, yep. Yeah, I can find that. I can find that. So, so that's been, that's been really nice too. Just, Cause I I've definitely done projects where people say to me like, oh, this is the kind of sound. And then I, I get them a sound and they're like, no, that's not what I was thinking. And I'm like, can you explain? They like, can you just like tell me a little bit more. And they like, can't articulate it. So it's nice to kind of like, be like, maybe this is what she means. And you're like, yes. <laughs>
0: So, yeah and for you does it is it interesting to find these out because it sounds so good when you're done but sometimes you'll send me like a note you'll be like you told this bison story and I can't find a bison you know sound like I'm looking for hooves <laughs> you know in an ideal world actually I
1: did think for a brief moment that there is a bison farm near my house I was like maybe I should just go but like I'm not gonna get stampeding bison how am I gonna get that um but yeah I mean, I'm, it's really fun. Um, I mean, I come from a world in radio documentary where like you just go out and get the sound from wherever it is. Like I'd be like, what bison farm was it? I'll fly there. Like that's not, <laughs> obviously not going to work for this. So I have sound libraries and I, you know what the funnest part for me is picking music. Cause sometimes you get to a point in the story where you're like, okay, this is either like really needs like an emotional undertone or it needs something to move it forward. And so I spend a lot of time like playing music on my audio library and then playing the audio from my editor over it and like trying to like tone match um and so that's really fun for me I love I love that part because like a lot of times in radio documentary we don't use music and in podcasting it lets me like try out the music stuff so
0: Yeah, this has been a learning process for me too, because in a presentation, I use the stage, right? Like if I'm saying something, I'll go to one side of the stage and then I want to be dramatic and I move to the other side of the stage or I move my arms around. And so in audio, you can't do any of that stuff, right? Like I'm learning how to use intonation in my voice and I'm learning how to pause. But it's interesting to hear also how you can use sound to say like highlight this thing or, you know, use a little check mark here or something like that just to highlight those things that I know need to be highlighted, but how you do it and how we put it all together. I feel like we're just totally on the same page. So it's great. I know,
1: that's what I love about, about sound design is that you can like create movement to something that's really linear or like really not uh, not flat, but like it's two D. Recording your voice to me is just two D. There's no imagery with it. So if you can mm. kind of like coax the mind along to hear something out of the left and out of the right, I wish I could do forward and back. Dolby Atmos lets you do that, but um, to kind of build that scene in someone's headphones while they're washing the dishes and they can kind of like stop for a second or to, or even to like stop music and tell them like, hey, you should be paying attention now. Like, that's that's so fun for me.
0: Yeah, that was amazing too in that meditation episode when I was like, oh, I feel like I should interrupt myself doing a meditation. I didn't know how it was going to sound, but I mentioned it. And then you made this amazing montage of like right ear, left ear. And I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes I just listen to my headphones in one ear. I need to put them both in. Oh my gosh. At this point, Rishma, I have like a preset
1: in my editor that's called um, Rishma in her head. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) It's like, it's like the Rishma where you're like thinking something. So there's like a little bit of reverb on it. It's like echoing around in there. And it's got like some (laughs) equalization to make it sound like a little bit further away and like kind of scratchy so that like, it's obviously not your like close- podcast voice. It's like you talking to yourself in your head, like, you know, negative affirmations and those kind of things or negative thoughts and positive affirmations. And yeah, you should see how many of those <laughs> track <Amazing>. Called <culture laughs> in her head. <laughs> Amazing. I love good it. Stuff. That's awesome. Okay. Well, this was um an absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking me to interview you. Love interviewing, especially when it's you. Thank you.
0: So good. Thank you for doing this. And yeah, you just make it so easy.
1: Oh, and congratulations on it like a Season well done. I'm going to put firework or like something sounds behind this. You're like, because, because, uh, 10 episodes of a narrative season is a big, is a big thing to celebrate.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Celebrate our wins, right? Yes.
1: I know. Like cue, like the bells and the, I don't know, sound makers. And just yeah, really. Thank you.
0: As always, I'll end on something positive. The past few episodes I've ended on a gratitude. This time, it'll be a lesson. Just try. I wanted to try something new and different and interesting and it's been so fun and scary and exciting and challenging and it's opening up so many new opportunities and possibilities for me both professionally and personally. So that's my positive thought for today. There was something I wanted to do and I'm so glad I just tried. If you want to connect with me, as always, you can reach out at livingxo.com. And if you want to stay up to date on my work and my upcoming projects or my events, you can sign up for my newsletter at livingxo.com forward slash subscribe. You can also always find my workshops and journals on the website at livingxo.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much for being here. See you in season two.